You're listening to the Got Game University podcast. This podcast puts you in the classroom and lets you learn from some of the best hunters and callers in the woods. Hi, this is Taylor and Ryan with Got Game Tech. Got Game Tech is a software development company that builds mobile apps that teach hunters how to call and hunt different animals. Welcome, elk hunters, to the sixth episode of the Elk Nut series on the Got Game University podcast. Ryan here with you, and I'm accompanied by Paul Medell. How are you doing, Paul? Hey, I'm doing good this evening. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Well, we're sure glad to have you, and, uh, you know, we got a, a special podcast tonight. Uh, the last five podcasts, we focused a lot on calling, which uh, is actually my favorite part about elk hunting, is the calling side of it, and listening to the bull's bugle, but... Tonight, we kind of want to change things up, and uh, we want to move into, you know, kind of, Paul, what you use in your pack, how you set up, uh, what are what are some things you can't go without in the woods, uh, and so that's kind of what we wanted to talk about. So, I guess the first question is, when you're getting ready the night before or the week before, what are the items that, I mean, you make sure you have, you don't miss? Food, <laughs> food and water, everything else is already in the pack. As a matter of fact, heck, my pack is ready year-round. The things I keep in it for elk hunting, uh, are they never leave it. So my pack is completely geared up as we speak right now. And I didn't even know we were going to talk about this, but that's exactly <laughs> how it, yeah, it has everything in it. And the only thing I have to add to my pack is food and water. That's it, nothing else. So it's already done. So, you know, for me, it's just a few minutes of whatever grub I want to put together, depending on how long I think I'm going to be out there. Because there's days, you know, I'm only going to hunt a half a day. There's days I'm going to hunt all day. Uh, And as we've discussed before, you know, I've never bivy hunted uh, for elk. I've I've bivy fished, went out and and, and did that several times for staying for (laughs) four nights. But I've never had to do it for elk. Uh, I've been prepared to do it, and, I, and, and I'm prepared now. Uh, so I do have that kind of stuff with me at camp if we decide, hey, this is going to be a time to spend one or two nights out there, and everything is sitting there. And it's just a few more items because of the basics that I already have in my pack. Right. So you said, you, you said you've never bivy hunted, I guess. You said you've never needed to. Can you go in more detail with that? Uh, you know, a lot of hunters feel like they need to get further back. They need to get further away, and it causes them to stay in night. Yeah, you know, and, and the reason is it isn't from experience. Most of these people are just going off what they hear on the Internet. You know, they, they read different, different things right. in a magazine. They see on TV. Once a person starts getting a lot of experience in the elk woods, they can make a decision then if it's necessary for them to bivy hunt. And, 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 and there's really only two reasons why people will be a bivy hunt. Seriously, there's, that's it. One is the glamour. They want to go out there and, 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 and prove to themselves and others that they can go out and spend the night or two or three. But for elk hunters that have been out there as long as I have, we know you don't have to do that to kill elk. No, not at all. Knowing your area is very important. Uh, having a lot of areas you know, uh, definitely can uh, up one success because if 
plan A doesn't work out or B or C or D or E. I have over 40 areas I can go to. And, <laughs> and so, and, and, oh yeah, I, I do. I have them marked on maps. I have them mar- I have them everywhere. Wow. And so it's just things that I have, I've, 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 I've uh, been to and used over the years because elk are animals that are habitual. When you find elk in an area, they will, they will be there every year. Every year they'll return to those spots, maybe not on an exact date uh, you know, per month, but they're going to be there sooner or later. So after a while, you start accumulating all these areas of you know, 40 years of elk hunting, and you can say, oh, I've been into elk over here and here and here and here. And, I, and so there's a lot of those A, B, C, D, and E areas, and we're talking about large areas here. We're not talking about some little five, ten mile, you know, span with all these with all these hunting spots. You know, it's much, much larger than that. And again, right. over a period of time, you accumulate this, especially on over the counter hunts, because you are going to get a tag every year. So it's not like a draw area where you may only get once or twice in a lifetime. And so you don't have that time to to put into units or or a large area to accumulate that many spots so and that's you know the biggest reason that we don't bivy hunt is because of the fact that we have so many areas we can hit it doesn't mean it's not successful to do it but most people who bivy hunt outside of the glamour is they're trying to get away from the pressure they're trying to get away and get into elk that see very few people and i call them i've said it before they're dumb elk is what they are and it doesn't take much to call them in they're very easy to call in, actually. A few bugles, a little bit of raking, a couple cow calls, here they come. I mean, they they really are that easy. Uh, maybe I make it sound simpler than it is, but <laughs> it, it isn't that much tougher. But usually you have to you have to cover some ground to find that bull like that. You know, usually you're going to go in a minimum of four miles. And, 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 and it depends if you're taking a trailhead or not. If you're taking a trail, then... The distance can vary, and it depends how busy it is. But if you start ramboing and boondocking away from the trail in a mile, a mile and a half, you could come across these bulls sooner. But the point is, is that when you find elk that aren't harassed, they're just anybody can call them. They re- right. you really can. You just got to go find them, and they're, and they're not a big deal. And that's what you see a lot of these videos where guys give a few bugles, some cow calls, and here they come running. But pressured elk, pressured elk aren't like that. They require a little more savvy and you have to beat them at their own game. You have to really be believable because you know, they're tested, they're educated, they're disciplined. They see all this stuff. But, but outside of that, I don't baby hunt because I haven't needed to. (laughs) We usually hit these areas, Ryan, and sooner or later we put the bulls down and, and I do want to baby hunt. Uh, you know, sometime in the future, maybe even this year. As a matter of fact, I do have a bivy hunt for five or six days with some guys. And we'll see how that turns out. But I do have a plan, (laughs) my son and I both do, uh, to be able to go in and head out with them. And uh, we'll we'll have fun. You know, it'll be something new for me. Right. And and I'll see how much I enjoy it or how much I don't enjoy it. Because I know I can kill up without doing that. So, you know, we'll see. I've I've done po- both Paul and I like going back to the camper or the base camp and getting a good night's sleep. So <laughs> yeah, and especially as you get older, you you start to appreciate that even more. And the meals are there, and you know other gear if you need to make a change on your boots or your clothes, just because you want to, not because you need to. You right. know maybe it was hotter than you thought or colder than you thought. 
because me when I when I take stuff in my pack, which you did ask about that a little bit earlier, I don't take rain gear unless I know it's going to rain. You that's, know, so, so that saves me two pounds right there. That's that's exactly if it if it's not raining. I don't take rain gear. I don't even take a tent if it's not going to rain that night if I'm sleeping out. So, yeah, and I just, for me, it's just it's the same way, you know. I don't worry about getting wet. I could care less. I've been wet so many times. You know, seriously, I mean, just saturated. Eh, whatever. You ain't going to melt out there. I know and I'm it's coming back. Warm. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is, you know. Sometimes you do get caught off guard, but right. it's not a life or death thing like so many people think. It's just. You know, when you live out here and you're used to it, it ain't that big a deal. I mean, if, like I said, if I know it's supposed to rain, though, I'll have my rain gear. If it's not real bad rain, I won't bring pants. I'll just bring the top, which is a long right. sleeve of the hood. It's a good windbreaker, too. But if I was baby hunting for five or six days, you know, you, that's unpredictable. I would probably have it with me. That's that's different. But for all day yeah. hunting, you can usually see what the forecast is. And, uh, you know, you just gear yourself accordingly then. Right. Talking about, you know, weight in the packs, you know, taking out the rain gear if it's not supposed to rain and checking the weather and different things. Do you have any other tricks to to lightening your pack? Some things that you do specifically? It's an individual thing because what my wants and needs are may not be what somebody else's are. And I can appreciate that. You know, some, you know, some people are a lot bigger than I am, so they require more food, maybe more water. You know, me, I carry 70 ounces of water. That's what I carry uh, when I know I'm going to go all day. And I also have uh, one of those Cabela straws with me because it doesn't even weigh one ounce. And, so, you know, and, and it takes in a couple hundred gallons of water. You can just suck up out of a creek, river, anything, whatever's out there. And I've used it, believe me, many times over the years. But in most cases, I don't really run out. I kind of I, I kind of regulate. When you run out is generally when you're packing meat out. That's when you start using a lot more liquid, and especially if it's hot, you know, Ryan. And so right. you're noticing you're constantly uh, uh, making sure you have enough water in you. Because if you don't have enough water in you when you're packing weight and there's there's hours going by, what happens is you start cramping up. And I've only had it happen one time to me in 40 years, once. That I could count it on one finger. One time did I ever cramp up when when I did run out of water and and was cramping up in my thighs, and a couple times it it made me stop for a couple of minutes. But I'm one of those guys that's just really determined. I can tolerate a lot of dang pain, a lot. And when it did it, I just kept pushing and pushing. I knew I had to get out, and I just oh, yeah. pushed and pushed, and it was throbbing so bad that I was taking the palm of my fist. I had made my, my, my hand into a fist, left and right hand, and I was hitting my thighs hard as I could to stop the throbbing. And, and, and I mean, it was just, it was like a huge muscle with a heartbeat going, boom, 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 and my legs were just dancing on my thighs. I mean, it was bad. I mean, and I was trying to stop it and hit it as I kept walking. And it, it would go off and on, off and on. I had no water. There was no water anywhere around. It just, I just happened to get caught. And uh, the last thing I wanted to do was to stop because I knew it co- I could start stiffening or get worse to want to keep moving. And I still had another mile and a half maybe to go and a lot of elevation up and down to, to negotiate. <laughs> but, you know, it's just 
it's honey, man. You just do what you got to do. You know, I never looked back at that and thought, oh, my God, that almost killed me. I don't look at things like that. What do you, I mean, you can't be a wimp out there, man. You're all cutting. It's just things that happen. You know, it's just part of the game. And, and But you do try to overcome those things, you know, and, and not do it again. So, right. you, but you still have to have water in an area. It isn't going to just materialize because you're thirsty. You know, it's just not going to so, be that way. So, Paul, with with the 70 ounces, because that's, I mean, you're a lot tougher than me. I, I don't carry, carry 70 ounces. We just, I mean, but I know my area and we have water everywhere. Yeah. And so I take a, one of those, you know, 20 ounce uh, plastic bottles because they're super light when they're empty. Mm-hmm. And I drink that, and then I have a bladder and maybe maybe a Gatorade. How do you carry the seventy ounces of water and a bladder? I have my bladder holds one hundred ounces, and yeah. and and you know a lot of it is what's the it's day area. off or how hot is it going to be? How much you know? Uh, I've taken more than seventy, but my average normal is seventy ounces. If I know I'm only going to go half a day, it's not that much. Forty ounces, I'm good. And and I usually have extra water in the rig, you know. Being being a hunter that comes back and not Vivian, I have that luxury of having beverages or water in the rig, you know, that I'm coming back to because I usually don't walk out of camp. I drive right. out of camp, so you know I do have that available. But most of the time when we're hunting like that, rare would be the case that we ever got three and a half miles from the truck. Rare. Most of the time, it's within two miles. So, you know, it's not that big a deal. You know, you can't walk two miles without having water. I mean, right. you've got something else wrong. You're, you know, you got something else wrong in your thinking is what it is. And so it's just a matter of, again, of having enough liquid for the time span that you're out there. But I'm not one of those guys that the sky's falling if I run out of water. I mean, you should read right. so much stuff on the Internet. And I don't carry a jacket. I don't carry, you know, my pack when I go out weighs 16 pounds. That's what my pack weighs, and that's a pack, that's the water, that's food for all day long, that's my four elk bags, my GPS, my maps, my compass, my first aid kit, I have a a mag light, I have a headlamp, I have an extra knife, sharpener, I mean, I have all this stuff, and it weighs 16 pounds. Yeah, No, it isn't, because that means when I get an elk down, I can load a ton of, of weight into it, you know, at the crime scene there. And and it helps a lot knowing that, that you don't have a heavy pack. I don't have jackets. I don't have, you know. Or sleeping bags. No, or I don't have extra anything. I just, I'm wearing it. And anybody that's hunted with me, I get this question all the time. When I leave camp, I have a certain, I always layer. I have certain layers that I have on. And generally what I wear is I have a merino wool. Then I have a polypropylene long sleeve. Many times people will see it in a lot of my uh, photos that I have that I've showed with elk. And you'll see that blue sleeve sticking out because sometimes I'll roll my outside camo over it. So I have an outside camo shirt, which is not insulated, just a regular thin one and by Game Gear. It's really a good one. I have that, and then I have the polypropylene, and I have the merino wool. And I'm good if it's 90 degrees or if it gets all the way down to 15 I'm going to make it work. You'll never be hunting with me anywhere from 15 to 90 and ever see me take a shirt off. Never. No <laughs> way am I going to unclothe. 
And I hunt with a lot of guys, and I cannot believe how many guys stop and take a shirt off. And then 20 minutes later, they're putting it back on. And then they're taking it back off. I, I, I acclimate, man. I make it work. I do not. My son's the same way. We both do it. You will never see us take a shirt off. Nothing. We go with it, and we just we deal with it. We don't mess around. We're covering our ground, looking for elk, looking for elk. You're sweating. You're hot. So what? You know, that's just that's the way it is. And if it gets cold, you don't add anything. We don't bring anything other than rain gear if it's going to rain. No, we don't do you anything. You don't bring a puff jacket or anything? Nothing. One of those. Zero. Wow. Not a thing. I mean, that's just how we're geared up, and that's how we think in our mind, and we've done it. Well, Paul and I have bow hunted for 29 years. This will be our 30th year, and and we've had a couple of hundred guys hunt with us, and they'll tell you, we don't take anything. Are we suffering? No. We don't even think about it. We know we're not going to sit there and waste five, ten minutes while people take their pack off, unclothed, blah, 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 blah. That drives me nuts. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. It drives me nuts when a guy does that. Oh, geez. And I swear, he's putting it back on 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, he's putting it right back on. Like, oh, my God. And then you got to wait for him because you do. It's you got to take your pack off. I mean, you oh, might yeah. think, oh, that's nothing, but it is. And then they're rolling things up and putting them in and da-da-da-da-da. And I know it's trivial, but it drives me nuts. It just <laughs> because I'm so used to not doing anything like that. I just deal with right. it. And I don't you know. know. It's just I'm, how I'm I am. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure there's people that do that. I mean, usually I have my, I take off my top layer and then I'm, I go the, usually all the way till, you know, that afternoon and then I throw it back on. But I'm sure there's people that throw it on, throw it off, throw it on, throw it off. But I know. They just that's really it. funny, Paul. Uh, you know, it's just how it is. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I, I It wasn't like anybody ever taught me to do it that way or right. anything. It's just been a way of life. And, and I don't care if a guy really does take stuff off and on. It's just, but when you're hunting and you're moving and you're trying to cover ground and you're trying to find the elk, I don't know. To me, that's always, you know, when I'm elk hunting out there, it's like a business to me. I mean, I, I'm very serious about it. Right. And it doesn't mean I don't have fun. Don't get me wrong. It's not like that. But at the same time, I take it very serious. And boy, when I'm when I'm covering ground, I want to cover ground. I mean, that's just it. I'm trying to find them. I'm not one of those guys sneaking around like I'm whitetail hunting. I'm calling and moving, calling and moving, calling them. I'm going to find them. And the last thing I want to do is wait for ten minutes for somebody to mess around. And the next thing you know, they're retying their shoes, and they're just, you know, it's just oh, how yeah. they are. People are, and, and what was so funny is, it's like ninety percent of the people are that way. So oh, yeah. I know I'm I'd the oddball. That. It's not them. It's me. And so, so that's why you're successful. That. I don't know about being successful. It's just a matter of I don't let things bother me. I mean, I'm just, right. I just I will go and go, and I don't care about discomfort. It just doesn't mean anything to me. And you can't let things like that get in your way or regulate your thinking. I think it, it can wear you down. And the next thing you know, you're, 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 you're looking at, my feet are sore, my legs are sore, I'm hot, I'm sweating, I don't want to sweat, blah, 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 blah. I'm I mean, tired. You can't, you can't think like that when you're all kind right. of man. It's a grind. I mean, it, this isn't, you know, you're, you're not out there playing golf. It's not like that. And, and so, is it, you know, that's just how I look at it, and that's how I deal with it, and that's how we roll. I mean, again, right. that's just what we do. Not saying everybody needs to be like us, but if they were, they'd be better off. <laughs> if, <laughs> well, that's that's what I mean is you get a lot of extra hunting in because you're not taking breaks and you're going hard all the time. And so it, it helps you have more 
encounters with elk and different things cover more ground and it helps well i try not to get discouraged out there you know and i think having a having a determined attitude and being very persistent can go a long ways in the elk woods it's not all about calling and glassing and stalking a lot of it it's what's between your ears if you're persistent and you hammer away and you just keep moving and pushing and grinding it good things can happen and and i think it's it's a combination like that as well as you know having knowing how to call and 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 when to call and when not to call and what to say it's as important as as your mindset too you know in in trying to find or locate elk awesome no i no i agree i guess talking about that too not stopping uh i'm afraid to ask paul but what's Uh your you've talked about food a little bit what do you take in your pack for food and uh do you ever stop to eat it or do you just keep it going on the go eating (laughs) i i eat more than anybody (laughs) <laughs> my son will tell you i constantly eating i mean I, I hardly a half hour goes by and i'm not eating something but i don't stop to get my food out you know i i have it like in the my side packs in my pouches i have an exo mm-hmm. pack and i have a pouch on each side and i will throw food in those outside of what's in my main bag on top because yes we'll stop anywhere from 11 o'clock to one o'clock to actually stop eat and sleep on the mountain for an hour you know seriously oh heck yeah we'll just sit up there and listen when we do that we try to get some sort of vantage area where we can either see or hear more hearing is more important than seeing because half the time your eyes are closed anyway right so at that time and we just rest our packs up against something and depending on the weather what kind of cover we need or not or how hot it is and we'll listen and and you can't believe how many times we've done that and just all of a sudden a bull spout off somewhere. And and, and so that's kind of neat to be able to be out there. And we know they're in their bedding area at that time. Anytime you're, you know, 11 o'clock to 1 or much later than that, they're in their bedding area. And so that's what we're really trying to dial in on. Is there something over there? Because you don't see half this country. But, but, but no, outside of that, um, I usually will have like three sandwiches and I'll cut them in half. So I can just stick one in each pouch or, you know, peanut butter and jelly is one of my favorites. It's just so fast and easy. And if it gets crushed, you don't even care. You know, it doesn't hurt anything. And, uh, you know, I usually will have a banana or an apple or a peach or something. And some people can't believe I would take a banana because, you know, the odor. But I don't care. If the animals smell that. I'm already in big trouble, you know, if they smell my banana. But... Other than that, you know, I'll usually take that and fig newton, some kind of cookies and stuff, and like I say, water, granola, several granola bars, and, and 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 things like that. But I'll have you know several of everything, so that right. it'll, it'll carry me through the day. And I usually throw out a five-hour energy in there too. Once an elk is down, well, and then once we get that down and broken, we usually pound on, and it gives you some stamina there. Even though it's temporary, it's good for a couple right. hours. It helps a lot, actually. <clears throat> and uh, I only started doing that two years ago. Before that, I never did it, but I could tell a difference. But right. uh, wilderness athlete, fo- focus and energy, uh, things like that, I've, I've taken for quite a few years. And it really does help uh, put whatever's necessary back into your system right. as the day wears on. And it gives you that extra go power 
it really does. It helps a lot. Right. I'm, I'm well, really surprised I, at it. I believe that. I, I take crystal light packets, and I mix them in with my water bottle when I get mm-hmm. water, just because that little bit of sugar, and I think it helps. So, And it's yeah. not even a five-hour energy. So, no, that's – and so it's just sandwiches. Is there one thing that uh, you take every year? Is it just – or do you just kind of change it up between the granola bars and the sandwiches? And- no, they, I always have all of it, <clears throat> you know, and the sandwiches can vary. I mean, they can be pastrami or roast beef or uh, whatever. Yeah, but no bologna, no spam, nothing like that. I'm not not there's anything wrong with that. I'm not that guy. I'll, I don't <laughs> eat stuff like that. I don't eat no salami. I don't eat anything like that. Oh, really? No. Well, going on with your story about picking a place last year. I was eating a sandwich on a rock, and a little raghorn walked right about 20 yards from me, <laughs> <laughs> and the bow was nowhere to be found. What kind of sandwich was it? It was peanut butter and jelly. Oh, maybe he liked that. I know. <laughs> I know. No, that's that's funny that you, uh, you're you always eating. I'm one that – I don't know what it is. I'm never hungry when I'm hunting. I mean, I can – like – We'll sit for a couple minutes. I'll grab a Snickers and keep going, kind of like you. Yeah. But Taylor, we always tease him because we go down a hill, and then on our way up, he's eating a sandwich, and we go down. And on our way up, he's eating another sandwich, and on our way down, he's... <laughs> That's me. I, my son calls me a chipmunk. He goes, Dad, you're nothing but a chipmunk. You're just constantly yeah. eating all the time. There's something always eating, you know. And I go, yeah, and that's how I've always been, though. It, it, but I don't stop to eat until it's time to go, okay, you know, it's getting later in the day. Let's take a break. But other right. than that, I'm on the move and, and eating and calling, eating, calling. And, and But granola bars are a big thing or cliff bars. is When I say granola bar, I'm usually referring to a cliff bar. That's what I right. usually have. And so a couple of those. And, but I'm not a candy bar guy. I don't carry any candy, none. So other than that, between the water and having some food there, it seems to well, work. Gets me through the day, you know. Is Paul Paul Jr. kind of the same way, or no? He, he doesn't eat at all. Either. Nope. He'll eat something like at, you know at noon type of thing, and that's it. That's kind of like me. No, uh, in our in our hunting group, you know, there's a handful of us trying to get. There's a few of us trying to get as light as we can. Mm-hmm. You know, one sandwich, couple granola bars, we're good to go, and then we've got the Taylor, who's got 15 sandwiches, it seems like. <laughs> Every hill You're exaggerating. He eats a little bit, but he eats a ton of sandwiches. Yeah. And then we have our other friend that we sit down at, uh, you know, take our break, sit down at lunch, and all of a sudden you see a sleeve of Pringles coming out. You see three three-foot jerky sticks, and then you see a mountain. All of a sudden you hear a Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't and, hear anything like that. <laughs> and everybody else's mouths are drooling, and so yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so, if you're willing to pack it, you know. Well, I mean, and that's, that's what we that's say. Fine. But but that 30 minutes that we stop, you're wishing you packed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes so. you know that does that does happen. But you know, we just get so used to knowing what we carry and what we have available, how how we're going to eat it. I mean, you just do. I mean, you, you, you kind of get a system going, maybe not as a first-year hunter, but after you've done it for so long, 
it just becomes, you know, old hat. It's just like when we're going to make our lunch in the evening. That's how we always do it. Our food for the right. next day is usually made in the evening so that we don't have to deal with it in the morning. And we usually take our packs and go put them in the rig so they're ready to go. And uh, we're ready to roll like that. And the only thing we have to do is have some kind of coffee in the morning or whatever we want to snack on. And that's about it. And right. away we go. Well, good. Well, Paul, we're... Uh, you know, we're going to wrap this up a little bit. I really appreciate everything you've said tonight. I guess my closing question uh, is, I guess, when it comes to hunting for you and when it comes to these different different accessories, you know, the boots, the camel, the, the food, the water... Uh, Let's take out the food and water. You've already said that's the most important thing. But besides that and, like, your bow and your mouth read, uh, what do you think is the most important item you would you would take on a hunt to you personally? Well, you know, I don't have a most important. I mean, there is no such thing to me. I mean, <laughs> there. I mean, there's so many things that are necessary. But, I mean, I, honestly, I don't have a a most important. I mean, they're all important. They're all important. <laughs> yeah, whether you have your elk bags with you or, you know, I have an in-reach in my cell phone for communication and being able to look at all the the, the land, uh, you know, to navigate around me if I'm looking for for certain areas. I mean, you know, right. all those things are part of it. I don't want to leave my first aid kit behind either or any uh, apparatus that's going to give me light, like my headlamp and stuff. You know, they all have their purpose. Uh, that's why say, you need it all yeah you need all that that's why it's always in the pack i mean it's like saying what's the most important your grunt tube or your reeds well you know your bugle is right. really not any good without your reeds the reeds you can you can make do without the bugle i don't like to i've done it but i don't like it i would rather have the combination of the two so right. you know i don't have anything i put my finger on to say this is my one and only you know i, I really right. don't no, that makes sense. I I guess I understand all that. I guess I guess what I was I was thinking with that question was more so uh if there was one item I was going to spend a lot of money on and make sure it's top of the line is my boots. You I've didn't ask it. you didn't ask that. I know. I I, I <laughs> asked it said. the wrong way, Paul. <laughs> but that's my question uh. is if there's one thing that you you were going to, like me, it's boots. I, I mean, I've gone hunting with blisters. I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to spend money on boots. Mm-hmm. And ever since I have, I've never had a problem. Mm-hmm. And it, and for me, it made a big difference. Do you have an item like that? or? Oh, or is it I would dependent? easily have an item like that. My pack. I could care less about my boots. It's your pack. Yeah, my boots. I mean, I can go get a $100 pair of boots and make those work, no problem. Um, yeah, boots have never... I, I own a lot of boots, and I own expensive boots. I mean, I have Kenetrex. I have Crispies. I have Oslo's. I have uh, Loa's, GTX Highs. I mean, I got thousands of dollars worth of boots. I really do. And they're all fine. I have right. some Under Armors I just got. I really like them. And, you know, but they all fit fine. I can make them all fit because no people's two feet are the same. 
and, right. and it always drove me nuts to see people send boots back because they don't fit. They're, you're not going to get a boot that's, you know, a quarter size bigger or smaller for one foot or the other, you know, unless you have something handmade. But but you just you just play with the boot. I take the insoles out. Sometimes I have a heel cup in one and not in the other. Sometimes I have a three-quarter insole in one and a heel cup and only a heel cup in the other. I, I play <laughs> with them all until I get that no slip. I have never had a blister in over 40 years of elk hunting. Not a single wow. blister. Never. And well, I, I order all my them. boots online. <laughs> get that. In 40 years, I've ordered just about every boot online and you know what i've never sent never one back, sent back? Wow. not a one ever you make them work you just have to play with them your feet are different you, you you're going to have a big one and a small one i don't care if it's just by a fraction but one will slip one won't so i just play with them and so it's like some of the boots i have now i take the insole out and i add duct tape to the bottom i might have you know seven or eight layers on one and three on the other and i just keep adding or taking off until everything fits perfectly snug because it doesn't it doesn't interfere with your toe box so it's not crowding your toes and making them pinch it only lifts your heel up into that pocket and so i play with all those every boot i own set of boots has a different setting setting on it because they're not all made the same and so i play with each one until they fit perfect i'm (laughs) done and i'll make any boot work any boot like i said i've never sent one back never and anybody can do this, but they think they should be buying boots out of the box, and they should fit their fit their feet perfect. And if they feet. don't, they send them back. And the next thing you know, they sent ten pairs back. There is no such thing. It isn't going to happen because your feet are not identical. One is bigger than the other in most people. Maybe even a hair wider. There's just little things that when you get because boots are made, they're made by equipment, by machinery. They're made perfect. Right. I mean, they're exactly the same. And so it's your foot that's the problem here, guys, not the boot. So you make them fit. And that's all I do is I, as I go to, into the insole area and I lift them because, you know, once you get your right size, your problem is one of them's looser than the other. That's what it is. One fits usually pretty decent and the other one doesn't. And that's where you right. play with that one until everything is just right. And once you got it dialed in, it's done. You won't never have to mess with it again. No, that's a good point. Paul. I know I'm a weird guy, man. I don't mess around. No, I, or, no, that's, or at the same time, that's not, not weird. Picky. That's what we wanted. Yeah, I'm not real picky though. I mean, I, I, I'm picky, but I'm not. I want it to fit right. But I, I understand that it's our feet that are what's wrong. It's not the boot. And so, you know, you, you can overcome those things if guys would just take a little time. You can make any pair of boots fit. If you wear a ten, buy tens. And I'll I'll be darned if one of them won't be a hair smaller if it you know if your bigger foot is the one that fits, but basically no my pack would be number one, I mean I, and for me, once person a person has hunted as many years as we have and you regularly kill animals, your pack will be number one, but if you don't kill much and you're not hauling stuff just constantly and, and four to seven animals a year. You ain't even thinking about your pack being a problem. You aren't. It's like, yeah. my boot exists. It's that. It's a, you know. But you start carrying a lot of dang weight over all kinds of uh, terrain. Terrain. And hardly no trails and wet and dry and, and just everything, hot, cold. You're going to find your boots are fine, but you can get away with right. your boots. You can make anything work. You know, you really can. And right. even though I have good boots, 
I still, in the past, I've wore a lot of boots that that weren't right. concern, you know, considered to be some of the top of the line boots, and I never had any trouble with them. I started going to the to the more expensive and better just because I could. It wasn't because I had to, and 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 so to me that means a lot right there. I think more people put too much into a lot of that stuff, thinking they need Swarovskis or right five hundred dollar boots and this and that. But your pack, you need it's a good worth pack. It. Oh, the XO well, is the best pack I've ever had on my back. It really is. I believe that. I love the XO pack too. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's that's awesome, and it definitely does help when you have a good pack on and you've got a heavy load on. Well, you have confidence in it because you know, no matter right. what you, you you come across out there, that it's 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 you know it's going to be up for the task, no matter what, no matter well, what. Well, and with that, I've had you know frames that work really good and then you add a little bit of weight and then they kind of start to maneuver a little bit i it's nice when the frame sticks and stays and it's comfortable yeah good pack is 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 definitely worth the money it's a good investment and you'll usually use them for years anyway so you know they'll outlast your boots generally (laughs) oh yeah so what you're saying is don't wear a backpack a school backpack a what don't wear a backpack like a a school backpack, what you'd wear to school. <laughs> With no frame? <laughs> With uh, no frame. Not unless There's a lot you... of people that use those. Oh, I know, because they're not planning on you know carrying anything, anything out. They're thinking they're going to go back to camp, get a buddy or two, or go grab their pack frame. And, you know, years and years and years ago, I mean, way back, we did the same thing until we started killing animals, just so many of them. And it was like, what kind of crap is this? You got to be ready to be packing these things off the mountain now. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to walk back up there. Oh man, you want to be able to pack everything out you can. And you know, my son and I, we probably carried, I would say, anywhere from I don't even know twenty, twenty five, maybe more bulls, all in one trip. When we're out there, he takes half, I take the other half. And don't t- get me wrong, guys. I mean, it's heavier than hell. I mean, it's just. A matter of not wanting to go back and you take a lot of rest but you just grind it out you throw all that meat half on one half on the other and it helps when your pack only weighs you know 16 pounds to start with it's nothing right and so it's not that hard to throw another hundred on it and that's really all you got you usually got a couple hundred pounds between the two of you when you're trying to bone everything out we'd never bone the hind quarters hardly ever i shouldn't say never we have but it's rare we usually will leave the hindquarters on the bone for good structure, and then we will take – that's in one bag. And the second bag, we bone out the front shoulder, a back strap, a tenderloin, and part of the, half of the loose meat on the neck, and anything else that you want. That all goes into the second bag, and it still doesn't weigh anywhere near what the hindquarter does. It just – no way. The hindquarter is the heaviest thing there. And so right. – by being able to do that, and he does the same, my son, we've got the whole elk out. We don't take ribs or anything. We, we could care less about the ribs. But we're taking more than what is legal. The, the law in Idaho says you need to take uh, take all four quarters, whether you bone them or not, backstrap tenderloin. That's the law. Anything else you want to take, like the neck meat, any any additional flank, anything is, is, is on you it's, it's, if you want. You don't have to. And so right. – we still take a lot of that anyway, of course. You know, you burger it up and stuff. But the point is, is that we put half, two bags in one pack, two bags in the other, and yes, they're loaded. But we grind it out. And Jeez. We just, 
That's what we do. We grind it, grind it, grind it, and 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 the, even if it takes us twice as long to get out, we do not have to come back. And that's I've, the thing right there. I've never packed out with just two people a whole elk. I've done three people, and that's actually not that bad. Yeah, but I you got to put it in the veggie mode, man. When you do it, you really do. It's just uh, it's a grind, and and if there's a lot of heat, and if you have a lot of miles to go. You know, again, that's what I was saying earlier. Is that's the part that takes all your water. It isn't because I'm traipsing around the woods with a 16-pound pack and I ran out of water. It's usually, it's usually when you have those loads on, right? And, and that's what it just seems like you can dehydrate yourself much quicker. But in most cases, it works, and uh, we don't run out of water. Again, it was only that one time that it ever happened to me like that. Right. Well, awesome, Paul. We really appreciate it. That's a, There's a lot of good stuff there, and we hope you guys enjoy it. And if you guys have any questions, uh, you know, concerning the podcast and questions for Paul, please hit us up on uh, Instagram at Got Game Te- Technologies on Instagram or Facebook and ask some questions so we can go over them here on the podcast. So you have anything to add, Pod, Paul? No, I'm good. We're good. <laughs> We appreciate it, and uh, I'm already excited for the next episode, Paul, when we get back into the calling and things. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Paul. Bye. You're welcome. Bye.